Welcome back, folks. Uh, we're here with another edition of the Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly. I'm your host, Chris Temple, and Mickey is back this week. Mickey Fulp, the mercenary geologist. And uh, it's not driving every single asset class, Mickey, but we've had a big breakout in the U.S. dollar. We're going to touch on a time or two that didn't do the precious metals, with the lone exception of palladium, a whole lot of good this week again. Yeah, and I don't really think that uh, the U.S. dollar and palladium have any correlation at all uh, but uh, gold was down and that a lot of that has to do is the US dollar DXY at a 20 year high um, silver and platinum both remain weak too the dollar lost three and a half percent to close at 1743 silver lost almost three percent to 1929 its chart is broken uh, platinum actually added three dollars to close at 891 but it's off well over a hundred dollars from what it was uh, four weeks ago and palladium is very strong has to probably do with the fact that Russia produces about 40 percent of the world's palladium it added for the third week in a row, it was up 11% this week to close at $2,096. Well, there was some sanctions news. I forgot exactly what it was, but one of the big Russian potentates who's uh, a controller of a good slug of Russian production had some sanctions placed on him personally, and that seemed to be the big reason that I read for Palladium's mm. outsized move. Uh, yeah, copper, as if sanctions work, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> the ruble at a all-time high or thereabouts. Yeah, well, we, we could talk all day about the idiocy of that. At the same time, that Sleepy Joe wants to remove tariffs on China, which is China. a greater threat to the U.S. than Russia is or intends to be. Uh, moving on, Doctor Copper took it in the shorts again, thanks to the dollar. Yeah, it hit uh, one half year low, got down to the lower 340s range, bounced a little bit, but uh, really caused by recession worries. Uh, it bounced off those lows, closed at 350 for a three and a half percent loss on the week on uh, on conflicting rumors from China uh, with infusion of their economy with a few trillion yuan versus additional virus shutdowns so uh copper had a bit of a rough week uh, the cash to threes was in pretty con strong contango though at uh, around two percent maybe a little bit more well in the times like this i think people need to keep in the back of their minds that even though most of the headlines chalk up copper's weakness the corrections in energy and so forth to fears of recession and that kind of thing don't forget that especially with the massive technical breakout in the dollar we talked about this for weeks in advance mickey the 105 level around that area had been a lid for a while and as soon as the dollar went above that the free falls you know continued or got worse in some cases don't forget that there's lots of these directional traders out there that when they sold or shorted copper in recent days it was nothing to do with recession fears nothing to do about their views good or bad about copper going forward fundamentally it was all about the dollar broke out and they're basically required to sell counters to the dollar, which would be gold, copper, etc. So 
for those folks out there that wonder if the world has changed, no, copper's long-term fundamentals remain as bullish as they have ever been. You're looking at an aberration caused by these directional traders that are exacerbating the losses, as, as I see it. So, well, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Uh, the market is skewed by speculators. Yep. But I would also add that there's a reason that copper is called the doctor, uh, because it is the leading forward-looking economic indicator of the health of the world economy. So its weakness, uh, given the fact that, at least in my opinion, we are in recession, worldwide recession, the downturn in copper is somewhat predictable. Well, and by, the, an and by the way, it's been down five weeks in a row yep. to the tune of something on the order of 25%. Yep. Yep. No, it's, it's been gruesome. Uh, less bad for energy, which is also denominated in dollars because the fundamentals there are strong. I guess in relative terms, people are still embracing those fundamentals more than they are for copper and the other base metals, but it still didn't prevent a loss in energy across the board this week. Well, we saw tremendous volatility in the price of oil. Uh, it had its third worst loss ever on Tuesday, down $13. Uh, got down below $95. It bounced uh, right back up last couple of days. Uh, uh, bounced up basically $10 off that loss. So, uh, um, And this is really driven by speculation, totally by speculation on one side or the other. Um, the... Numbers came in. They look pretty good this week. Rigs are up another two. Production remains at its post-pandemic high of 12.1 million barrels per day in the U.S., but that's still 1.1 million barrels per day off its all-time high in February of 22. 2022. Uh, stocks, in, uh, inventories up a whopping 8.2 million barrels, and for the first time in eight months, it is uh, the amount of oil in inventory is within its historic seasonal five-year range. So uh, that was a big move. Uh, imports up a whopping 900,000 barrels to 6.8 million barrels per day as Biden is soon on a plane to Saudi Arabia to beg those bastards for some Saudi heavy sour crude. <laughs> and uh, that would make a lot of sense yeah. to anybody. Uh, refineries were flat at 16.4 million barrels per day, and we are somewhere uh, well above 95% refinery capacity uh, despite the fact that Biden is laying on now the refiners and the most recent uh, mom and pop gas stations to lower the price of oil. Yeah, well alright, well Mickey we didn't talk yet about uranium, we need to cover that. It had had a nice rally in the last uh, few weeks, getting back some of what it had uh, lost in its own correction, but it gave some of that back uh, this week. Yeah, I gained 8% over the last couple of weeks, as high as $50.50, gave back 3 bucks this week, 
that's almost a 6% loss. I saw real no reason for that specifically, except past experience shows that the early summer, it tends to be a, a slow season for spot trades in the uranium market. Yeah. Well, here again, I, I'll make the same comment as we did with copper. The long-term fundamentals have not changed at all. They're as good as ever, and uh, I'm not losing a second sleep over uranium kind of being bogged down with the rest of them these days. Moving on, the big story is the U.S. dollar index. Uh, it continues to set new highs in recent days. It took out its technical resistance a while back. Uh, you know, and, Right a while back. You know, and I'll tell you, uh, just to throw in this before you go through the actual numbers, uh, when I hear, as I did this morning, a Raphael Bostic, who is the head of the Atlanta Fed and pretty much one of the dovish members on the Fed these days, talk pretty much as tough this morning against inflation as did Bullard and Waller yesterday. Uh, you got to believe the dollar's rise is not finished. Well, we'll see. Uh, the dollar closed just below 107, spent last couple of days at least, uh, slightly above that mark, closed at 106.97 for a 1.8% gain. That's a big move for a currency. Um, and that's, we alluded to this before, said it before, that's a 20-year high. A lot of this has to do with extreme weakness in the euro, driven by energy problems and energy costs, power costs, uh, leads to safe haven demand for the U.S. dollar. And also, uh, U.S. dollar is trading at a 21-year high to the yen. Looney is maintaining its still, but it's off uh, three cents from what it was, what, a month and a half, two months ago. Yeah. Um, and it closed at 77.19 for half a percent loss. Uh, Ten-year Treasury made quite the rebound. Uh, treasury bonds 3.08%. That's a 28 basis points gain. And once again, that probably has something to do with uh, this anticipation of the Fed raising interest rates three-quarter percent uh, in their next meeting. Well, and, and the unnerving thing, I think, to some about the move, Mickey, in a 10-year note is that you, you talked about the outsized move in the dollar index. There is no reason, uh, fundamentally uh, and logically, for the interest rate on government paper like this to move 10% at a whack multiple weeks this year. And 10%, of course, from where we started. So last week we were down more than 10% from the prior week. We're up almost 10% or actually exactly 10%, 28 basis points off of a 280 close last week. So this shows you that there's a lot of directional money out there that's running things ragged mm -hmm. like they've done with copper, like they've done with oil. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what, the Fed, uh, the, the Fed is taking a sledgehammer in relative terms to problems that are not solved with a sledgehammer. And they're going to compound, you know, first, first the mistake was keeping monetary policy too easy for too long. And now they're bound and determined to go to the other extreme by everything that they're saying and doing. So we'll, we'll see what uh, July 27th brings us. 
uh, the stock market at least got some well this I'm going to chime in on All that, right. Chris and as if a three quarter percent rise in the Fed funds rate is going to do any good when inflation at least according to governments about nine percent we know it's about double that uh, it's still just pissing in the wind you know I <laughs> There's too much money out there, and they're yep. still buying back bonds. All right. And Mickey, wrapping up uh, the week with the stock market, uh, the stocks by and large got back some of their lost ground of the cyclical bear market, but you and I both know, and our listeners should, that this is simply a dead cap bounce and a counter trend rally. The bear market is by no means over. Well, I would agree with that. This is the third or fourth dead cap bounce we've had and we expect that to continue uh it was a short week so four days of trading we had basically three flat days including today and one up day big up day and that was yesterday uh the vix spent the week mainly in the upper 20s uh so volatility has come off that 30 plus range that was about three or four weeks ago um the market liked the non-farm payroll numbers at 370,000 jobs added, but there's still well over 11 million jobs unfilled and a labor participation rate of around 62%, so nothing's changed there. I think uh, a lot of this is probably driven by teenagers uh, working part-time lots of jobs that were uh, previously filled by uh, perhaps lower middle class workers are now being filled by teenagers and uh, getting paid pretty good wages for that yeah. so uh, one thing that struck me was the Fed came out with its forecast revised forecast for 2022 GDP at a plus 1.7 when the Atlanta Fed came out uh, this week and said they expect uh, the economy to have lost 2% in GDP in Q2. Yeah. So given that, uh, we're going to have to have a big rally in the last half of the year, and I don't think you, either you and I or I think that's going to happen. Uh, let's go through the numbers quickly. Uh, Dow 31,339 up 8 tenths percent. S&P 538. 99 uh, just below 2% gain NASDAQ uh, bounced pretty good 11,635 up 4.6% basically gained back everything it lost last week and last but not least the venture exchange um, I mean well, these days last and least I guess we should say yeah. um, it, it, it almost held the fort well there have been no dead cat bounces uh, since the end of May for the Toronto Venture Exchange, I'm looking here, it looks like we've got uh, 10 of the last 12 weeks in the red, close at 616, uh, only down a point on the week, but uh, uh, the nine lives are all used up on that cat, no doubt. The summer doldrums are upon us, yeah. and yesterday I looked at my portfolio, and in total, my 
lose my loss in June was 13% on my junior stock portfolio. Ouch. And that's probably better than a whole lot of people out there. Yeah, I've I've seen very few companies that have put out good news that in a healthy market would would have produced, you know, 10, 20, 50% gains in stock prices and of all the ones that I cover Mickey, there's been one all summer to put out good news and get rewarded for it. And that was Ketchel Gold on some of their well, recent news. And, and really what it amounts to, and this commonly happens in the summer doldrum, is news, positive news, is a reason to sell into the market. So, yeah. uh, you know, I took some profits in June uh, where I could. Uh, I sold four or five things in June and, and made money on them, but uh, the overall market trend is is horrible. Yeah, and it's not going to get fixed right away, although the long term is great, but we got to get from here to there. Uh, so, look, we had the non-farm payrolls this morning, as you alluded to. Uh, anything in the hopper that you're especially keeping an eye on for next week? Well, we got uh, the initial CPI for June. Yep. Uh, that's not going to be good. Um, Bacon Canada is going to talk about rates. A three-quarter percent raise in interest rates is predicted. Uh, Thursday, these both come out on Wednesday. Thursday, we got the initial producer price index from U.S. government. Friday, U.S. retail sales. And the biggie probably on Friday because that will be the end of the week. Uh, University of Michigan's Consumer Confidence Index, and that hit an all-time low in, in May. Right, right. Uh, what's the, the, the poll results? You know, we, we had the ones who's going to hang around the longest. Uh, who was the winner? Well, the votes for the winner on the Democratic side was Chuck E. Cheese Schumer, and on the rhino side was Lindsay Forever War Graham. And so now we're running a poll on who do you hope leaves the unholy U.S. government first amongst those two winners? Who leaves first? Okay. Yeah. Right. Who do you hope leaves first? Yeah. Well, I with, with my own political inclinations I actually hope Lindsey Graham leaves first he does more damage he's expected not to but he has done far more damage especially where war is concerned in relative terms I might vote that way too because uh, I think it's pretty certain that the Republicans are going to control uh, both houses of Congress in November and so the efficacy of Chuck Schumer, Chuck E. Cheese, as we love to call him, will be considerably diminished. Right. Uh, and so then, of course, we've got that dangerous guy from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, uh, who wants to be at war Yep. forever. Yep, crazy sociopath that he is. Well, that's it for this week, folks. Went a little bit long, but hey, lots to cover, and we look forward to being with you again Friday next week. Thanks, Mickey. Thanks a lot, Chris. Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly is syndicated exclusively by our friends at Kitco.com. To keep up with Mickey Folk, visit him online at MercenaryGeologist.com and on Twitter under at MercenaryGeo. Yours truly, Chris Temple, can be found at NationalInvestor.com and on Twitter it's at NatInvestor. 
Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with you again next week.